Everybody, welcome back to Nerd Geek Dork. It's our podcast where we talk about the nerdy, geeky, dorky side of pop culture. I'm Pete the Retailer. With me, as always, is L. Adam. Hello. Uh, today we have part two of our conversation about Spinal Tap, or this is Spinal Tap. Thank you. If you're a stickler for detail like Adam is. I try. Um, it's the same guys from last week. We've got Alex, we've got Eric, and we've got Andy. So let's just jump right back into it. And that's it. It works for me. All right. Getting back to like a, the references invading your life. I mean, I was, I used that uh, that one where I'd, I'd feel much worse if I wasn't under such heavy sedation. I, I used that so much, but if you use it in the wrong context, people will look at you so weird. You know? <laughs> That's a really weird line to deliver, you know. So, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I use that. I use fascinating this computer magic. I use, uh, I use all you know. It's just uh, and the stuff with Janine coming up with all the the zodiac signs and you know, uh, that was in my former life as a designer i still do design work and a lot of people come in and they're like yeah this is exactly what i want and you give it exactly what they want and it's absolutely horrible you know, it's just like that's no. uh, angelica houston right yeah the design the yeah angelica She's houston the did did the uh the stonehenge the yeah the, the the actual size stonehenge monument <laughs> <laughs> it was exactly that's amazing <laughs> It's not your job to be as confused as <laughs> Prizes the rent out of the local Hebrews. Yes! Oh, my God. Uh, the lines I say all the time are the law of averages. Law of averages. I say the too much, too much fucking perspective line all the time. If anyone ever says, oh, puts things in perspective, I have to say it's too much fucking perspective. <laughs> most, most, of the line, most of the things I wind up quoting are... Like I'm being like someone else says a line which makes me think of a Spinal Tap line, yeah. And then I have to, you know, I'm, I'm compelled to then follow up with, you know, the line. So, uh, you know, fine line between clever and stupid. Although fine line between clever and stupid is almost like that is like that's the second line after this one goes to eleven that people mm. will will quote at you. Right. Or Hello Cleveland, right? That's the other one, right? So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, That's now, not now bad. It was, you know, but short jog to the right there, you know? Or <laughs> yeah. Oh, you must have took a wrong tone. I say that all the time. <laughs> I also it. say, well, no, we, we shan't work together again. I, I say that. <laughs> yes. You're going to say that at the end of the podcast, right? Oh, right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the other dead one. Uh, we used to, uh, when I, I worked at Comic Store, with the, as, as some of you know, um, but I work there too. I know that's what I'm saying. We, I said we, right? <laughs> you could have meant anyone because Ale- Alex worked there for a time too. Um, and we didn't. That's we true. Talked, I didn't. Yeah, know I that. But this story doesn't involve you, Adam, or or necessarily Alex or anybody. But, but it was you know one of the other managers and I who were both uh, definitely fans. Um, you know, if we'd be trying to get each other's attention, one of us would be up front, one of us would be in the back, try shouting a couple times, and it wouldn't work. And we'd just pick up the phone and get on the intercom and just be like, "David, smell the glove is here." <laughs> <laughs> and that was instant like that would like, snap into it and be like oh what and then like you know he knew exactly who I was trying to talk to when I would say that I think it looks like death <laughs> oh the other one my brother and I always, I always say was, he will say the, the fucked up the timing part I fucked up the timing <laughs> the timing 
when we, no time. when we were on tour and we would uh, uh, be driving to a show that we knew was going to suck, uh, we would say uh, we'd be looking at our tour schedule and the tour manager would be telling us where we're going. And then he would say, don't worry about it. It's not a big college town. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some of the jokes that I did not get until I was older. Like when I first saw Spinal Tap, I was, you know, it sounds like I was like 13 or 14. It sounds like that seems to be the prime age when everyone watches Spinal Tap for the first time. But and I didn't get those kind of jokes about, you know, because I didn't know anything about Boston being a, right. a, a uh, sheltered well, young lad. Well, and some of them aren't as funny until you experience it, where you're like, well, I'd love to sit and chat, but we've got to go wait in the lobby you know, <laughs> for the limo. You know, it's just like, you know, but you've been in those experiences, you know, you, you experience that where you're hanging out with people and you're like, yeah, well, I've got to go stand over here now. So, but it just comes to mind. You're like, oh my God, yeah. that's genius. So here's, here's a bit of trivia in relation to Hearing Aid. Um, the guy who plays Duke, Duke Fame. Uh, in that scene is Paul Shortino, who's the lead singer of Rough Cut, who is one of the lead singers on the Hearing Aid track. Oh, I wondered huh. who that guy was. Oh, I heard a story about that. He was actually supposed to have all those lines that Howard Hessman delivers, but yeah. it turns out he was a terrible actor or didn't yeah. remember them, so that they, they called in Howard Hessman at the last minute and said, okay, you're going to have to do all this guy's lines because he can't say a word. And he doesn't yeah, say it like he, Yeah, it looked like he didn't even know how to speak English in that. It's <laughs> perfect. Yeah. yeah, in a way, it makes it a lot funnier. It does. Yes. It does. The Normo Dome. So, whatever it is, the Normo Dome or something. So, does anybody have uh, the Criterion DVD that's out of print now that has the commentary where they're not in character? I have that one. Yeah, I actually have a like a CD-ROM that I bought a long time ago for like you don't have to say must that. have been early nineties, yeah, like just, a CD-ROM. Right, just the fact so that it's, it's a CD-ROM makes it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sorry, right? I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, sorry, <laughs> dating ourselves here. But um, it was an interactive CD-ROM, I believe, wow. and uh, it had the whole thing, and you could watch it. It was in. But the movie quality was so bad, right? But it was in this huge Marshall amp, and then the video was this little tiny little video in the center. And it had the commentary um, with a little dial on the thing that you could click and make it go to 11. And when you made it go to 11, the, the dialogue was, was them talking, and they weren't in character. And I thought that was the best ever. Hmm. I, I watched it recently on a DVD, and it had them in character. I was like, what the hell is this? So... Yeah, I was actually kind of disappointed because I got the, you know, I think I bought the Criterion one on eBay and then, because that was the only way you could get it on DVD at the time. And then, like, the next week it came out, you know, as a fifteen ninety nine uh, DVD with them doing it in character. And I was like, oh, I would rather have had them hear the in character. I've never heard the in character commentary. So, uh, oh, it's amazing. The, I, I, I love them both, but the in character one is great because they're, they're, it's basically the sequel to Spinal Tap. So they're doing it in character. And the idea is that they're looking back on the film and they're talking about this filmmaker, Marty, who, Marty DeBergi, who he said he was a fan, but he did a hatchet job. <laughs> and, and they have a story, like everything that's happened since then throughout the movie, they're telling the story of, of Spinal Tap 2 of what happened. And so it's, oh, wow. it's, it really is the most brilliant. I mean, I have to have the, the Criterion one because I love hearing them talk about how they made the film. But the one in character is really Spinal Tap 2. It's, it's so well thought out and so fucking funny.
I, I think just the the fact that it feels so spontaneous is is what really uh, brings me back to it because it's just like you could tell during the reviews when they're getting all the reviews and I know that they didn't know all of what they were going to say but it's just like you know whenever we get reviews for books I just think of that scene <laughs> you know it's like it's just a two word review you know <laughs> like it's like you just you're worried that that's what's going to happen but the, but it's just so funny <laughs> <laughs> it's it's what shit shit sandwich. <laughs> shit sandwich. <laughs> but then when they show the covers, that was the other thing that always fascinated me because you don't really know about those albums, like like Intravenous to Milo and stuff like that. <laughs> but it's just, but the the review where it's like they're you know treading treading water in a sea of retarded sexuality or whatever it is that they're saying. Yeah, and bad poetry. Just, and bad poetry. It's like. Mm, that's nitpicky, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> this uh, preponder, or what is it? This preposterous collection of religious rock songs is enough to ask the question: On what day did God create Spinal Tap, and couldn't He have rested on that date? It's mm, a good one. I haven't had that one. Let's just do the whole movie. <laughs> oh, but I think whenever they've got the band all together, that's just like the. You know, it's just genius, you know, so. Yeah. Um, but seeing them all, I don't know where they are, some English castle, and Nigel's in his kilt and everything, and it's just yeah. so, and Derek's got this huge pipe he's smoking. I mean, I don't know, it's just crazy. <laughs> now, now, was this, like, had they done, like, skits or anything, like, improv before Spinal Tap, or was this just all original for the movie? Like, From what guys, I understand, yeah. they had, um, they had, sort of done it they did been playing around with those characters for a while by that time in fact i think um this is uh M- michael mckeon and uh david lander who played lenny and squiggy uh on laverne and shirley released an album in the 70s if you can believe it and on the credits for the album nigel tufnell is one of the guitarists so at least as far yeah. back as when they were on laverne and shirley they had at least some of these characters and ideas in mind and I, I probably on the DVD. There's um, a short they did, which is like 15 minutes long or something, which has it's basically the movie, the film of Spinal Tap boiled down into like a 15 minute, you know, mini movie that they were kind of shopping it around as a, uh, you know, trying to get movie studios interested. So I think they'd been kind of cooking this stuff up for a while before the movie was actually made. Mm. So uh, Michael McKean was recently on uh, Mark Maron's podcast, and he asked him the same question and. He was talking about the end of Laverne and Shirley. He was there was the the last season of that show was so abysmal, um, and and he was basically brought back, and they were kind of on autopilot. But the whole time they were uh, filming that season, uh, he and and Shearer and and uh, uh, Reiner and, and Guest were all trying to get this movie together. So mm. it, it goes back that far, and, and and so at that point, like Alex said, they'd already been working on these characters for a pretty long time. Hmm. Yeah, they they were in like improv groups together and stuff. So so you know they were clearly you know used to working with each other and and uh, they're very good at improv, obviously. Right. Yeah, and they were writing these songs too. You know, that's true. Yeah, they they do come up with some great catchy songs. <laughs> the lyrics, the <laughs> lyrics, is so so insane. <laughs> <laughs> now. Uh, 
what did you guys think? Um, well, let's say, what did you think of at the time? And what do you think of now? Uh, Break Like the Wind. Because that was their kind of, you know, resurgence kind of after the fact when everybody was like, wait, this movie is awesome. You know, and it built up, the, the cult following had built up to kind of a mainstream reacceptance. Then they capitalized on that. I think that was like 92, maybe. Um, so what did you guys think of it? Well, I would say like most artists, uh, I prefer their early work. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad when it came out. I remember um, the single was called Bitch School. Yeah. And uh, they had that video for it. And it was just like, man, they are beating a dead horse here. This is not working out. And I listened to some of the record and shut it off. And I'm just obsessed with spinal tap so it was a, a really big downer when when that came out it was uh i was happy that they were finally starting to get some sort of mainstream pop culture acceptance and that my my lines would would go noticed now but um yeah no, it was it was bad and i know they get together every seven years and they have to appear in character uh on talk shows and do things so that they can keep the copyright at least that's what i've heard that's why they keep doing stuff like that oh interesting, I heard that too. interesting. Well, oh, yeah, I felt the same way. I wasn't. I'm. I'm not a heavy metal fan. So to me, when I heard the album, I was like, "This just sounds like heavy metal." Without the context of, you yeah. know, oh, remember that scene where, uh, you know, they uh, they were performing and the guy had his. Th- that's <laughs> that's a good point. Performing. Without without the narrative of the film, the songs aren't as good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually true of the first album, though. I mean, if you listen to the the black album, <laughs> if you if you buy the soundtrack. <laughs> It's. I'm, I'm not. It, not to be funny, but it's not mixed right. You know, it's just. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. It doesn't feel the same out of context. I would rather, and I will still listen to the movie. Yeah. Just listen to it, right? Yeah. No, it, while I'm working or something like that, when I'm drawing. I'll, I'll because I know I can. I can imagine what's happening. But the songs they sound better on there than when they actually take it seriously. And I think that that may have been part of it. It's maybe it's a little overproduced. And it loses that spontaneity that that they have when they perform it uh, so, in the movie. I don't know. So, so how can how is it possible that they can parody the Beatles' White Album in 1982 when they filmed this, and 84 when it came out, and then Prince and Metallica put out black albums? Like, how <laughs> does that work? Well, I, I remember Metallica when they came out with that album. They said it uh, because they had they uh, they. Um, they made an appearance with Spinal Tap, and they said, they, "No, they they made an appearance, and they said uh, it was about when they were touring with uh, Guns N' Roses." And they said, yeah. "Yeah, we actually have the same manager, something very Spinal Tap about it." So Metallica were, were big fans, and that's theirs is kind of like an homage to it, from what I understand. But no, uh, no. but at the I mean, same I, time, it, <laughs> if you saw some kind of monster, you know that they were pretty creatively uh, bereft of ideas. <laughs> no, uh, I haven't seen it. Oh man! I just when the Black Album came out, I was a huge Metallica fan. I was a metalhead in high school, and then I kind of grew up a little bit, and I don't listen to it a lot anymore. But um, yeah, when the Black Album came out, it was like, really? I mean, you guys, even even if they knew it, it's still such a bad idea, you know? <laughs> well, it's very, very, it's it's a, isn't it? Very well, so <laughs> oh, yeah. it's very it's sold a lot of copies, right? So no, yeah, it was nothing huge. on that fucking cover. Nothing. It, <laughs> it does look like black leather. <laughs> you can see yourself in both sides and snake. snake as well yeah I think if Metallica were a funnier band but right. they're, they're, it would have worked but I mean again 
you know, who am I to criticize? You know, I'm sure it made them a ton of money, but and I'm like, it would have been better if they were different. But <laughs> I don't think anybody got the joke. If they were trying to make an homage or anything like that, I don't think they really made the joke. But yeah. you know, at the same time, they probably it's a little bit of a you know nudge nudge kind of thing, you know. Does anybody have the uh, five five hour cut of this movie with everything left in? No, no I don't. I've seen I've seen deleted scenes, and I will say that they they changed the view of the movie. You know what I mean? I'm glad it was edited the way it was. I there's agree. some there's some things that are better, but there's other parts where it's like like the 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 guy who plays the um, the chauffeur. You know, he's got a lot of deleted scenes and stuff. Bruno um, Kirby, yeah. Yeah, but uh, he's just genius as the chauffeur with the Sammy Davis Jr. lines and all that kind of stuff. And uh, some of the other parts, it's like, hmm, it just, the band, you know, because there's a certain personality to the movie. You know, it's got that melancholic kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, there's something really magical about the way it was edited. And I think some of those scenes, although incredibly funny, um, it just wouldn't, wouldn't have worked in the movie. Yeah, this cut, it's way too long, and um, it meanders, but the, the worst thing about it, it shouldn't even be watched in one viewing, but the worst thing about it is that this bootleg's been available since Napster was around, and um, it's almost unwatchable now, especially on an HDTV. The quality is so bad. Oh, wow. You know? So I'm hoping that one day they pull the Blade Runner, and they just have like the deluxe version of, of Spinal Tap. Uh, but with a I, miniature Stonehenge, with an actual size Stonehenge prop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was the so that funny. was in that the second coming of Spinal Tap. They did an actual size Stonehenge, and then they couldn't get it into the arena. That was the joke. <laughs> it's really funny just for just to watch that alone. They've got this whole thing, and then they can't get it into the arena in time. That's and awesome. so, but um, but yeah, as long as they don't do any CG or anything to the. Uh, eventual cut of that I, I wouldn't mind seeing it i would like a uh you know if there was basically take all of those scenes and then just cut them up individually and just have like a spinal tap mix like a shuffle you know yeah. you could just hit <laughs> shuffle and it would just play you know random scenes from spinal tap for you know three or four hours mm. that would be brilliant actually i love that idea you should pitch that to uh whoever owns it now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or maybe maybe Lucasfilm can redo Shrimpton's explosion so it matches like the Death Star explosion. Ring around it. Yeah. <laughs> that could be awesome. <laughs> there is one deleted scene that I love, and it, I think about it every time I go to a signing. Uh, one of the things of being a, a cartoonist or anybody does books or anything like signings are horrible. Usually, <laughs> you know, they're just, they're just usually horrible, and nobody comes. And um, it's just Spinal Tap every time. But there's one deleted scene where the boy actually comes with a, a record of train sounds. And he gets them to, <laughs> them to autograph it. It's like, I, I play it at the same time as your album. They're like, oh, okay, right. You know, and it's just, oh my God, it's just, it's just so classic, you know. So. I, I, I have to say that one of my favorite parts of the movie originally, after watching it a hundred times... Um, was the fact that they all had cold sores on their face. Yeah, oh, and yeah. They, yeah, totally. And, and then when they explained that in the deleted scenes, the, the magic was a little lost for me. Yeah, yeah. 
the, the joke was so much funnier when it was that that fucking subtle, you know? It's like <laughs> And then and then in the deleted scenes, you know, they find out that there's this opening act and they all pass this girl around and then eventually they they they're done with her and they kick her off the tour. <laughs> it makes them seem like way worse people too. Yeah, Nigel's face when when they're like uh when um he's cussing out the uh when they pull the pull the album and Nigel's got that cold sore and he's got his mouth is just like wide open like whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know and they're talking about being sexist in Kmart and Sears stores you know so Ian you put a grease yeah. naked woman on all fours yeah, with a dog collar around her neck and a man <laughs> pushing a black leather glove in her face to sniff it and you don't find that offensive this is 1983 that's right it's 1983 get out of the dark ages we don't have this mentality anymore <laughs> It's actually 82. 82. Is he say 82? 82. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I just seen what they wanted to put on. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a glove, that's for sure. <laughs> also, yeah, whenever anyone points out anything being sexist, I have to say what's wrong with being sexy. Yeah. And then but people get mad at That's like the third. <laughs> that's like number three, right? On the oh, is it really? You think? Oh, boy. I'll stop then. Uh, <laughs> they will, they, but, we already discussed that women might not be the biggest Spinal Tap fan, so you're just digging yourself a hole there, dude. You're, you're too white. You're not, you know, you're too old. You're too white. <laughs> That's the other I thing about that, when they talk about it being racist, and he's like, "What? We don't literally say it. We we don't literally mean it." Yeah. <laughs> but, but that message should be clear. Anything but racist, right? So, <laughs> What are Such your what is everyone's favorite scenes? You pick your number one favorite scene. Number one favorite scene. Oof. That's tough. Um ooh. it is tough. The the two that I enjoyed the most on my recent viewing was the Lick My Love Pump scene and um the end when uh he's like trying to get Nigel to come back on stage. And then just like the joy of when they're all finally rocking out together again. Like for and he has the, like the malfunction again. <laughs> <laughs> but he just rolls with it. He's just—he's a professional, you know. So yeah. you just go with it. <laughs> or rise above it. <laughs> rise above it. <laughs> uh, one bit I like is where they're performing. Um, I guess it's the spinal—the puppet show on Spinal Tap where uh, they're playing. Uh, uh, is it Jazz Odyssey? Yeah, <laughs> Jazz Odyssey. <laughs> First of all, I can't believe they're doing that in front of a festival crowd. <laughs> well, there's that guy just sitting in the audience with his thumb with his hand, his hand on his chin, and he's just sticking his thumbs down like in his. <laughs> Alex, oh, I was just going to say that exact same scene. Because because when we play shows and it's a shitty show, sometimes we do that. We'll just like stand in the back and we'll put our thumbs down and put our hand on our face and just be like, <laughs> and it's like that that. That motion, right? It's not even a funny line. It's just that guy with his thumb down is yeah. the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. No, totally. Derek Small's on the bass. He wrote this. Yeah, I'm going to pick that one too. That's definitely, yeah, that comes up a lot. Wow, that's a tough one. Trying to think through more. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm cycling through in my head, trying to. A cover stuff that we haven't talked about yet, and B, what what do I? I? I think my my favorite scene is still the reviews when you get to see all the albums because yeah, there's a know, lot of good stuff in there. Well, yeah, as a kid, you know, like I, I you know, pre MTV or whatever albums, the artwork, 
I loved it. You know, yeah. I would pour over album covers. And yeah. so when I got to see those, it was just like, oh my God, that's so awesome. And then the little stained glass windows on the, on the, uh, the gospel according to Spinal Tap. And um, I think that's probably the best, you know, just little stained glass windows and things. But just their reactions, just so. And I think it's also because they almost break character a little bit. Right, in those <laughs> yeah. scenes because they can't quite contain it, you know, and that was when I think when I was first watching it, it was like a little indicator that, oh, this is a joke. This is a joke. This has got to be a joke. It's a joke. You know? and it's, so a like, joke. It's, it's a joke, right? It's just a joke. So. I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, or that or when um, right after the uh, spinal, right after the, the Stonehenge performance, when they're all sitting there discussing yeah. what happened. And, um, and Derek just says uh, at the very end, he's like, can I raise a practical question at this point? We're going to do Stonehenge tomorrow night. <laughs> no, we're not going to fucking do Stonehenge. <laughs> that's another one that comes up a lot. Whenever, whenever, whenever there's tension, that's the greatest line to break tension of all time. <laughs> well, the Australian's nightmare. I mean, there's so much in that. The tension is, raised, is so high between Janine and she wants to co-manage the band, you know. And uh, Well, I'd never believe in a million years it was her you'd be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> She's already in the system. She's already, you know. Like they've got some kind of system or something like that, you know. Nigel, here's your crab face. <laughs> <laughs> he's already got his he's already oh I wish oh I wish I was the I no no Derek is the crab Derek yeah, is the crab right. cancer yeah Nigel's cancer. a cow Nigel's yeah, no. Nigel's a goat <laughs> Nigel's a goat <laughs> do you have any idea how expensive <laughs> yeah, <for> that, <laughs> when uh when Janine gives um David his his sweater that one with the little, with the little, uh, I don't know, it's like a little Saturn on it, you know, yeah. that's all like silver lame, you know, kind of like sewn on there. And he's like, can I take it off now? You know, <laughs> yeah. the tour bus. So, <laughs> Just thought, thought I'd go back and have a look at the new game. <laughs> got a new game or something back there. <laughs> Anybody have any last thoughts they wanted to chip in here? Or last quick, uh, something we didn't get to? Hmm. Well, I just, I, we should just play the Jazz Odyssey out. That's, that's how we're going out. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're witnessing, witnessing the birth of Nerd Geek Dork Mark II. Oh, that is the other <laughs> Mark II. That is the other. <laughs> Nerd well, Geek Mark II. Uh, well, for the, the hardcore listeners, there and not to plug another podcast, there's another podcast called Coverville, and uh, he, the host, uh, would do a thing where he would commission people to do covers, and he, uh, it was a, f- a couple of years back, he released a free album of Spinal Tap covers. I think mm. it was called Stone Stonehenged. <laughs> and it was a bunch of people covering stone, uh, Spinal Tap songs. So if you're if you're curious for covers of Spinal Tap songs, you could track that down. I like I think it. I was gonna probably probably use one of those as the outro song. Oh, perfect! Good stuff. Yeah, 
I would say that if anybody hasn't seen this movie, that it is one of the. There are so many references. Uh, I don't know if it's because a lot of the people that grew up with it are now creating works of art and music and stuff, but there's so much 